Good evening and welcome back. We are here in week three of the series, The End of the Beginning. And this week the, the title is Rejected. Now that could be about how any Big Ten fan feels right now, but it's not. Uh, it is going to continue to go through Jesus' life in his final days as he's going towards the cross. And, and we started with how his trust was broken, how he was betrayed over and over and over again by friends, by, by people that, that were essentially his family, by, by Judas, by Rome, by everyone, as he was just trying to pray for us. We talked about the uh, trial before the high council, how they continued to lie. They, they had no real shot at, at coming up with crimes against him because he had done nothing wrong ever. And so they just lied and made up things and hired people to come in and speak against him and just did all of these things to try to shut him down because he made them look bad. This week where we pick up is them taking him before Pilate. And so I want to go to Luke uh, 23, 1 through 25. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So last week when they had him before a kangaroo court, uh, they just made up things and they had people come in and make up things and here they continue that. Now he is the Messiah and he has said that he's the Messiah and others have said that he's the Messiah and you can follow the prophecies and see he's the Messiah. But because they know Pilate could not care less about that, because they know that Pilate has a reputation as cruel, but also as smart and looking out for his own interests, so he's not going to get involved in a religious thing. He will only care if it affects Rome because that's who he answers to. And so they say he tells the people not to pay their taxes to Rome, which if you know, if you look back a little bit in the scripture, that's a complete lie, like everything else that they've done, which is just awful when you consider these are the religious leaders. These aren't just people that are taking around. These aren't the soldiers. These are the people who are in charge of helping other people find God. And they're lying out and out lying because he literally told people before, hey, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He, he encouraged people to pay their taxes. So it's the exact opposite, and yet they do not care because all they are doing is taking him so that they can have permission to kill him. And you may be like, well, why would they do this? Why didn't they just do it anyway? Because again, they want their hands as clean as possible, and they need Rome's permission because Rome's in charge here. But they also want someone else to do the dirty work. They want to take care of getting him in trouble and making up all these things, but they want someone else's hands to get dirty. And these are people who, again, Jesus, when he was 12 years old, stood before. Maybe not these exact same men, but before this group, stood before and talked. And they were so impressed and so proud and so in awe of him and his knowledge. And then as he grew up, they're like, eh, now we don't like him because he's not a little kid anymore. Now we don't like him because he makes us look bad. Now we don't like him because we don't want to try harder. And so they reject him. They out and out reject him, and then they try to get other people to reject him by lying, by spreading false rumors, by going around to his sermons and yelling things. And it's awful, and imagine what he's going through here. Now, he knows that they don't like him. He knows that they're out to get him. He knows that Pilate couldn't care less about him. But still, that feeling, that feeling of knowing that his entire life has been about other people, whether they like him or not. His entire life has been about doing good, about a sacrifice, about standing up, about showing people who he was. His entire life is about these people that are rejecting him. Imagine how that felt. I want to go to the next part here. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. 
Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent, but he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea and from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. Uh, When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. So again, they're trying to get Pilate to step up here and to say things. Now, in in another gospel, uh, if you continue to read the the different perspectives and and how Matthew will bring out a little more of things that apply to to the Jewish and Jewish faith and and the Old Testament and everything, uh, and just each gospel has its own perspective and all true and all uh, inspired by God, but, but just how it's slightly different. You'll see that Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent because his wife had a vision. His wife told him, hey, stay out of this. And so Pilate's trying to stay out of this. It's not because he's brave. It's not because he's courageous. It's because he's smart and because he's looking out for his own interests. He sees through their motives. He sees through their lies. He sees through what they're trying to do. And yet he will not take a stand. They have no power over him. But he can see the future a little bit. Not literally, but he can see that if he takes a stand here, they're not going to be like, oh, well, Pilate stepped in and he's in charge of us. So whatever. He let Jesus go. We're good. They're going to go to Herod or they're going to go to Rome. They're going to go to somebody else and they're going to start talking about Pilate. And then Pilate's going to be brought before people. Now, they don't have any power over him, but other people do. And he's scared of that. And so he rejects. His own beliefs. He, not that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but that he believes he's a good man, that he believes he's honorable, that he believes he's being railroaded. And he rejects that and he sends him to Herod Antipas. Now you've heard this name before. Um, so Pilate had a reputation of being cruel and being out for his own interests. Herod also did. However, Herod also had at one point uh, been on the fence. Now he never was really in danger probably of following Jesus. But if you go back a little bit again in the Gospels, you'll see that John the Baptist was somebody that Herod liked, Herod Antipas. He liked him and he listened to him and it made him feel interested. Now, again, he could have changed his life at any point. He he could have been like, John, you're telling the truth. How can I change? He didn't. He just liked that feeling. He liked being told that he was wrong. He liked knowing that there was more out there. And so he would listen. And then, you know, his daughter and his wife cooked up a scheme to get John killed. And so... It would have been awesome for Herod's soul if after that he'd been like, man, I really screwed this up. Instead, he just kind of veered off and was like, yeah, well, I tried. You know, I I stood up for John and I liked him, but now I just don't care anymore. And so he got worse and worse and worse and progressively crueler and progressively more outside the box and just worse and worse. Now, you also probably heard the name Herod before because his dad, Herod the Great, tried to have Jesus killed. When Jesus was a baby, he sent people to go spy on him. He had a bunch of kids between zero and two uh, murdered because he was trying to find Jesus because he didn't want him to be born because he was feared for his power. He lost his power, but his son came in. His son couldn't care less what his dad did, but he's still in this position. And it's amazing to see this from that perspective, that all of these people kept circling Jesus and could have had any number of times to say, hey, I accept you. Instead, they continued to reject him. They continued to reject the truth. They continued to reject everything about him. And in a little bit, we'll talk about how their lives end up, ended up and how you can kind of see, you know, who won, I guess is how I'd put it. But they bring him before Herod. 
And again, this isn't Pilate saying, hey, here, maybe he'll let him go. This is Pilate saying, I don't want anything to do with this. I, I believe that he's innocent, but you know, I, don't wanna, I don't want people to dislike me either way. I, I'm, I'm a people pleaser. Which is ironic since he was a bad guy. Uh, so next verse. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of, of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty, so I will have him flogged and then I will release him. So before we get to what that means, essentially Herod wanted to be entertained. He had heard these stories, some of them from John the Baptist himself, but he had heard these stories of Jesus' power. And he'd heard of his miracles, he'd heard of his teaching, he'd heard of his stories, and he wanted to hear it. Again, not because he wanted change, but because he wanted entertained. He saw it as entertainment. He rejected the idea that there was anything that he needed, and he just went with his wants, he went with his desires, he went with his cruelty. And so he kept asking him questions, and Jesus didn't, just didn't answer it's not that Jesus didn't care about him. It's not that Jesus wouldn't have accepted his forgiveness, wouldn't have forgiven him if he had asked, accepted his redemption, whatever. It's not that Jesus wouldn't have talked to him about something real. But the high priest the entire time were yelling, hey, kill him. He's evil. He's done this. He's done that. Just making up stuff, throwing out stuff. Imagine if this happened in a real court, like not a TV court, which is kind of fake anyway, kind of being essentially, but an actual court where you've got a judge. And then you have someone who's accused of something. Doesn't matter if they're innocent or guilty. Just they're accused of something. And there's evidence and there's the prosecution and there's the defense attorney and there's a jury. And then in the crowd, in the, the whatever, the gallery, I don't remember what it's called right now. But the people that are behind watching. While the judge is talking and he's asked, the lawyers are asking questions and they're bringing in witnesses. All those people out there saying, kill him. You know, I saw him do this. It'd go like three seconds before the judge had closed the court and, you know, settle it down. But Herod loved this because it was entertaining. And yet it shows more rejection, more rejection of Jesus, more rejection of his very essence of who he was, because he wasn't dramatic. He wasn't seeking the spotlight in that way. He wasn't seeking to be an entertainer. He was seeking to be the truth, to help people. And again, the heartbreaking part of this. Obviously, the heartbreaking, most heartbreaking is about Jesus and facing this and how he felt and just the rejection, the pain, the, the sadness that he was feeling. But if you go a little bit to the other people, the bad guys in the story, the heartbreaking thing is that every single one of them, from Pilate to Herod to any of the Pharisees, even though they were actively trying to kill him or make fun of him, whichever, if they had said, Jesus, you know what? We've really messed up. We've really messed up. Can you possibly forgive us? He would have said yes. 
He would have given them forgiveness. Now, again, and I've said this each week because it's important to know that he was always going to die for us because he's the sacrifice and it had to happen. And it was God's plan and God's plan is perfect. But the important thing to notice in history, in, in the Bible, in anything else that you deal with, when people are involved, even if something overarching is always going to happen like Jesus' sacrifice, individual people can make choices. And so Herod did not have to be this footnote. He could have asked for forgiveness. Again, Jesus still would have died. But Herod could have seen the truth and said, you know what, I'm not having any part of this. Jesus, forgive me, and Jesus would have forgiven him. Pilate, same thing. And don't be fooled by the fact that he stood up and said that Jesus is innocent. After that, he says, you know, we're going to flog him. That's essentially like if Matt goes to court for, you know, accidentally killing somebody at Walmart the last time. We've talked about that, sorry. It's still under advisement, so I can't say too much. Uh, just joking, please know that I'm joking. But if he goes to court and the judge is like, yeah, this is a stupid illustration. This never happened. Matt, you're innocent. But before you go, I am going to beat you almost to death. And, you know, we'd be like, whoa, but, but he's innocent. Like, why would he have any punishment whatsoever? And rightfully, his lawyer and everybody else would be like, what are you doing? This is insane. And yet we almost read this and like, yeah, that makes sense. It does not make sense. Because Pilate stood and said, you are innocent. And then his next line is, you're going to get beaten almost to death. And it wasn't even that he wanted to, which is almost worse. Because again, he believed that he was innocent. He wasn't even a follower and you could see that he was innocent. But it is that he was so afraid of what other people would say. And so his way to clean his hands was basically to say, okay... So I can make sure that I don't put him to death by saying he's innocent. And, you know, then people will remember that. And then if I have him beaten almost to death, maybe he accidentally dies. And I'm kind of free of that, too. Uh, the word flogged isn't used very much anymore, thankfully. It's not something that happens, hopefully. Essentially what happened here. And if you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, uh, it is a difficult watch. And it's not something that you'd watch all the time because it's hard to see because it goes really deep into what happened to Jesus. But if you are curious what it looks like to be flogged, you can check that out. And again, I caution you that it is very difficult to watch. It got an R rating, not because of, of sex, not because of language, not because of bad content, but because it was so brutally shown something that actually happened. And so flogging is you take a cat of nine tails, which is a whip with nine co-whips, whatever you call it. And they each have like these metal spikes on them. So it's like a leather whip or something, and it's got little spikes on the end. And so the person would take it and bam, whip it across his back. Now, that would hurt. If you've ever been spanked or gotten a switch or something, it hurts. I can tell you from experience that wooden spoons and tree branches, they hurt. But those spikes, they dig into his flesh. This is something that happened to an innocent man, to somebody who was just declared innocent. They dig into his flesh. And so when he pulls it back, part of his flesh comes with it. Part of his bone comes with it. And I get that me saying this is graphic, but this happened. This happened not because of a crime. This happened not because even he was found guilty wrongfully. It's happened because he was found innocent. 
But so many people were so out to get him. They were so scared of what he looked like that they just rejected the law. They rejected truth and justice. They rejected everything but their own evil desires. And I believe it was 40 times that he was whipped. So 40 times he was hit. Boom. Skin, bone comes back. Blood everywhere. Boom. 40 times. If that's hard for you to hear right now, if it's hard for you to see on the passion of the Christ, imagine what it was like for Jesus to go through this, to feel this pain. This time of year, we talk about the crucifixion and the painful way to die. It was one of the worst ways to die. And that's good that we talk about it because that's the most important part of our faith, the fact that he died and came back. But what he faced every day, what he faced in just that moment is worse than anything any of us will ever face. Doesn't mean that what we face is not worth it. It doesn't mean that, that what we face isn't real. It doesn't mean that what we face doesn't hurt. That's not what I'm saying, and that's definitely not what Jesus would say. But because he faced that, because he was taken around from court to court and had people lie about him and had people make up stories about him and had people literally almost kill him with whips, even before the cross, because he faced all of that, you are never alone when you face anything. And again, it doesn't diminish what you faced. Obviously, it's different. But whatever you face, whether it's physical or emotional, whether it hurts or, or it, it really almost breaks you, whether it's depression or, or some kind of broken bone or, or just something that's awful, loneliness, Hurt feelings, losing someone, losing something. Because he went through all of that. Whatever we go through, we are not alone because he understands it and more. There are a lot of different religions. And I'm not in the business of talking about them and, and going into details, although I've taught classes about what they are because I think it's important to know what other people believe. Because again, people don't believe things just to be contrary to us. They believe things because they believe them. And so it's good to know that. But no other religion, no other system of belief, no other anything has anyone like Jesus, for obvious reasons, but who would face such indignity, such rejection, such pain, and then go on to die for those same people and then be there to listen, to understand, to, to welcome when we go through things. That's what's so amazing about this story. That's why I wanted to stretch it out like I have. He faced so many things worse than anyone else has ever faced, even before he faced one of the worst deaths. Now, a little bit of bright side, I guess, if you think the suffering of other people, even if they're bad, is bright, which you shouldn't. Uh, interesting thing about Pilate and Herod and Tippus both. They both got involved a little more so with Roman government. Uh, and there is a very famous name. And if you have any interest in Roman history, if you've ever studied any of it or you've ever heard anything, I encourage you to watch I, Claudius. It's an awesome series. Caligula is a name that strikes disgust and a lot of different feelings when you hear that name. Uh, just a few highlights. He uh, impregnated and then killed his sister and ate her fetus, which, again, graphic, sorry. But he did bad things. Made a horse a senator. Might be apocryphal, but he still did stupid. He was cruel. He was evil. He was insane in some 
people's eyes, probably, and everybody. Uh, they both got involved with him. Now, the Pilate part, he either got exiled or killed. In his eyes, in his purpose, and how he saw things, both were the same. Because he lost his power by Caligula. Herod Antipas, same thing. Was exiled, was uh, banished by Caligula. And the only reason I bring that up is not just to gross you up with Caligula stuff, but because Caligula was everything that Pilate and Herod believed they were. They were cruel and they sought power. They did bad things and they looked out for their own self-interest. Caligula did all of that and was successful for the amount of time he was alive. He hurt people just for fun. And so because they rejected Jesus... Because they rejected what was right, they continued down that path. Instead of seeing what was wrong, instead of seeing, hey, we got to make some changes here. And I feel like Pilate was close. I feel like he was close. If he could have just had a little bit more courage, if he could have just had a little bit more of a desire for more. I feel like he was close. But both of them looked at Jesus and they saw that he was innocent. They saw that he was more than that. And it scared them. These brave, strong, courageous, cowardly men. It scared them. And so they went down this other path. They rejected everything and they kept going farther and farther away from him. Because one of the things I've said before, and I didn't invent this, but anytime you see Jesus... And I don't just mean literally like this, but anytime you see an example of Jesus, you see a true example of his goodness, of his grace, of his forgiveness, of his love, of his mercy. Anytime you see that, it changes you. The desire, the hope of all of us is that it changes you for the better. And you see that and you're like, wow, there's more out there. Jesus is amazing. I want to follow him. That's why we do this. That's why Matt puts up with me making weird allegations about him that, again, are not true. That's why Tim and Julie and, and Dwayne and, and, and Kelly and everybody else, Misty and everybody else involved in the church. That's why we are here. Because we want people to see those examples and to move forward. Uh, the motto in the series right now is knowing Jesus and making him known. That's the entire goal of all of this. And that's the good way of changing. The other way is seeing him. And being like, man, he makes me feel bad about myself because... I don't want to try much harder. Or I really want more money. Or I really want more power. Whatever. And that's what the Pharisees saw. Not all of them, but the ones in this story. That's what Pilate saw. That's what Herod saw. But there is always something worse. Someone worse out there. None of us are unbeatable. Illinois and Ohio State can show you that. Hopefully Gonzaga. But none of us are unbeatable. However, Jesus is. And so if you looked at just this passage, and I still got a couple more short things to read. Looked at just this part where he's paraded around and made fun of and hurt. And you see Herod laughing and putting robes on him and making fun of him. And you see Pilate pretending to be brave and saying, yeah, I'm going to almost kill him, but he's innocent. And you see the high priest just gleefully saying, hey, he's guilty, let's kill him. And you see all of this. And you stop the story here. It's very clear who looks like the victors. And yet, as they kept going, 
Jesus rose again. He saved the world. And they gave in. And they lost more than their lives. Next part. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Uh, Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. My, I like this. This is a side note. I like that it says Barabbas was in prison for leading an insurrection. Oh, and also murder. It's funny to me because murder's bad. Not that the other isn't. It must have been excruciating to be rejected by the religious leaders. He knew, again, they made no secret of the fact that they hated him and they didn't like him. And he knew that the power needed to be overturned. He knew that people had to look to him and look to the Father. He knew that things had to change, but it still had to be excruciating. Because, again, as a 12-year-old, he looked up to them. He knew all of this then. But he looked up to them because they were doing the right thing. And... They became corrupt. But it still must have hurt. For Pilate and Herod to be so close at different points to seeing the truth, whether it's through John the Baptist or through Jesus' example himself, and then to still reject that and reject him, it must have hurt. Just, again, excruciatingly. But as he's almost being killed by a whip, as he's losing his blood and his skin. To hear the people, just the regular people, just us, scream for his death and to call for someone who had opposite ideas for them. Like Barabbas, if he's a murderer, uh, would have killed anybody in that crowd. Jesus wanted to save everybody in that crowd. But Jesus' goodness... His holiness, even at this moment, was so bright. The people just gave in and they rejected him. And that rejection, I cannot imagine. I've said before that, that when I say something, I, I mean it. Like I, I do my best to always be honest. I, I try very hard to have that reputation. And so if I say something, and I'm not joking, like obviously joking. And somebody questions my integrity they question my honesty it hurts me and I'll get a little defensive or I'll get sad whatever I am nothing compared to Jesus and yet when I feel questioned like that I don't feel like continuing to help that person now I do because I've done my best to die to myself and live for him I'm not perfect but I try but I feel just that, that sadness, that, that hurt, even being upset at times for that. But to have people not only call you a liar, but say, hey, die. I can't even imagine. I like to think that I would continue to walk forward and accept it and, and follow Jesus, but it's hard to know for sure. Because I've never been whipped 40 times and had my skin broken. I've never been put in this position. Again, I truly hoped that I would follow. But I know that I wouldn't want to. Jesus, though, 
faced so much worse than anything I've ever faced. And it was never a question for him. These same people that were yelling for him to be crucified, these same people that were rejecting him, he went on to die for them. Because while they rejected him, he did not reject them. Last part of the scripture. For the third time, he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death, so I will have him flogged and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voice and their voice prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Again, Pilate knew he was doing the wrong thing. He knew that Jesus was innocent and he, in his way, tried to let people know that. But he gave in. The high priests, I hope, I'd like to think that as they saw him being beaten almost to death, even though they didn't stop it, they had to think, "Ah, maybe we're going too far. Maybe at least some of them thought that. But they continued down the road of rejection. The people there, they continued to reject him. They continued to spit on him. They continued to call for his death. In our culture, when someone is sentenced to death, uh, and I know that, wow, this thing's about to fall off because I keep moving. Uh, I know that at times there have been people who have been found guilty and they were innocent and vice versa. But just take somebody that's actually guilty and they're on death row, they're on death row. And we've seen on TV, and I'm sure it's a little different in real life, but they get a last meal and, and, you know, people try to fill the request as much as they can. They have a priest come in and talk to them. And again, I'm not diminishing the fact that they're about to die, regardless of what they did. It sucks. But Jesus, when he was essentially taken to go be put on death row, he didn't get any of that. He just got treated worse than he had before. Worse and worse and worse and worse. And it kept going and going and going and going. And so I say again, as we go into the final week next week, as we get near the resurrection, I say again that whatever you are facing now, whatever you will face, if it hurts you, it hurts you. Don't let anybody say that it doesn't. Don't let anybody say grow up. Don't let anybody say, oh, when you're older, you'll understand. If it hurts you, it hurts you. But you are not alone. Jesus will not reject you if you come to him. Even the people who rejected him here, Had they gone to him honestly and truthfully and willingly and said, please forgive us for this, even while he's hanging on the cross, he would have accepted it. So he will not walk away from you. So do not give up. You are not alone. That is an important thing to remember. I know that we are getting near the end of whatever life has been for the last year. I don't know whether it'll be a couple months or the rest of the year. I don't know. I know that people have different time. I don't know. But eventually things will be back to some semblance of normalcy. Sometimes things get darkest before the dawn. I didn't make that up. Sometimes things feel the worst right before they get better. And so right now I would imagine a lot of people are having hope and that's good. But maybe in that hope they're kind of inadvertently diminishing what you're feeling. And that hurts. 
And sometimes you're afraid to speak up because you're like, how could I talk about this? How could I say something when this person's so happy, when this person's so hopeful? You can because Jesus is with you. No matter what you face, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, Jesus is with you. Do not forget that. You are not alone. So remember that for yourself. And then help every other person you meet to also feel that. Through your love, through your hope, through your help, through your honesty. Because we are all here together to know Jesus and to make him known. That's all I got.